Radio. If I touch my shoulder, it touch my hair. Starts now. And I said, what the hell is that? And more radio starts now. And welcome to Spirits and More Radio. We've got another episode for you, and we're excited to do this one. This is our Ghostbusters Afterlife review. But we're actually going to get into Ghostbusters from day one. We're going to talk about the controversy of the reboot in 2016. And we're going to give you our opinions on uh, what we thought of this latest version or movie centered around the whole Ghostbusters universe. Stick with us. Turn down the lights. If you dare. Spirits and more radio. And welcome to the show, you guys. Ghostbusters. It's been a phenomenon for decades. The first one came out in 1984. A follow-up movie, and, and over the years, it has just grown into a huge universe and brand that people love, and with a cult following. Uh, and now it's introduced to a whole new audience of people, the younger generation, like my son, Trevor, who's here with us on the show. So uh, Trevor's going to co-host on this one and give us his opinions. Last time Trevor was on this show was two years ago. He was a little bit younger guy, maybe three years ago. He told his ghost story that uh, he had experienced. Trevor, welcome back to the show after all these years. Hello. <laughs> Hello. You got to get in that microphone, man. Earlier you were you were right up on the mic. Hello. Much better. There we go. <clears throat> so, uh Ghostbusters Afterlife just came out open to the general public on November 19th, 2021, which was yesterday and we saw it on that day. And <clears throat> we went in with no expectations, you guys. We just wanted to go have a good time, watch a movie. So it's not like we were itching to see this movie. But we want to let you know, if you're going to go see the film, we're going to be mindful of spoiler alerts, okay? So we're going to talk about Ghostbusters for a while, and we're not going to reveal anything that would be disappointing to not have a surprise. So we will tell you that there's going to be a point in the show when we're going to say, all right, if you're going to, going to go see this movie and you don't want to know more, shut it off. So you won't have to worry until then. <clears throat> Trevor, what was your initial reaction to this movie without getting to, into the details. I thought it was a very creative idea of them having to like find the stuff and like meeting people that'll help them and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I think what was cool is that uh, this is, if, if you don't know anything about the movie, it's basically, it's called Afterlife, and, and towards the end of the show, we'll get into why that is. But Trevor, I think one of the things you really liked a lot was there are a lot of young people your age actually using real Ghostbuster equipment and catching ghosts. Yeah, it's really interesting to see how, if, if that stuff was real, how kids would or might not react yeah. with using it. Yeah. 
So I thought it would be really cool for us to just talk about the whole Ghostbusters world and how it all started. So you have to go back to 1984. And at that time, you got to remember like Star Wars had come out in 80, 81. And so people were excited about these sort of sci-fi and different kinds of movies and kind of high tech stuff. And, you know, special effects were getting uh, bigger and better. And <clears throat> this movie Ghostbusters came out. And at that time I was a kid and uh, it's, it was perfect for kids. I mean, it was a really cool movie to see. Uh, you had Slimer and you had these ghosts. And at that time I didn't really follow the story, but as an adult, I've seen the, I've seen the original movie. And of course, uh, if you're familiar with these names, Bill Murray played Peter in the movie and we had Dan Aykroyd, who was Ray. And of course, Harold Ramis, Ramis, who, uh, passed away in 2014 and uh, they are the Ghostbusters. And basically they were, for those of you who don't know, who are hearing this show, they were professors at a university who lost their job and they decided to try and catch ghosts and take care of paranormal problems for people. And so they opened up a business and they started to take care of ghost, ghost attacks and problems going around New York City. And it turns out there was a portal in New York City where all these ghosts were coming through. So as that movie went, it's kind of silly in a way. It's a silly concept of, uh, and they kind of deal with it in a funny way as far as uh, they get shut down and they get put out of business basically for being quacks. But the funny thing is that doesn't make too much sense because there's this huge giant marshmallow man at the end of that first movie that they sort of take down and save New York city. So how the storyline goes, isn't too important. I think people were more interested in the special effects and a little bit of the comedy behind that movie. And so that first movie was extremely popular and there were toys and cartoons and action figures and all kinds of things that came out surrounding that movie back in the eighties. So a little bit of time goes on and then ghostbusters two comes out. And Ghostbusters 2, Trevor and I just watched that one last night to be prepared for this show. And the opening scene in that movie is hilarious. <laughs> Basically, uh, this lady's being interviewed by Bill Murray, who's now a TV talk show host, and uh, talking about the paranormal. And she talks about, a, about an alien that meets her in a bar and talks her into going back to his hotel room to tell him about what happens. And it's a really funny scene. And they talk about if it's really a hotel at the Holiday Inn or if they're inside the spaceship and it just looks like they're in a hotel room in the Holiday Inn. I thought it was really funny. But um, anyway, the story, same kind of thing. Uh, you know, ghosts are coming around New York City. Nobody believes these guys. And uh, police are giving them a hard time. And they've moved on to different jobs. And so this sort of brings them back together and they have to save New York City again. Uh, Trevor, what did you think about that that movie that we just watched, Ghostbusters 2? I thought it was not the greatest Ghostbuster movie. I really thought it was interesting how they tried to do... Well, they didn't try. They made something different than the original. Like, how rather than the like gatekeeper and stuff, it was pink slime that had to do with this painting that was possessed 
Yeah. So in Ghostbusters 2, there's this painting that sort of has this evil force behind it, a character uh, in the movie. And this guy, it sort of spreads itself around town with pink slime. I think one of the things that we both laughed at that we were, thought was funny was that the scenes, I don't know if the budget was less in Ghostbusters 2, but it seemed like the ghost scenes were not as sophisticated. For instance, there's a really hilarious scene where a ghost comes flying through the skyline over New York with a baby carriage to steal a baby because this evil character who's, who's in this painting needs a baby to like somehow spawn more evil and things like that. So we both saw this scene. <laughs> Trevor, what do you think about that? I thought it was pretty funny. It was totally cheesy. We're like, oh my God. So it seemed like Ghostbusters 2 did not have as big a budget. I'm not sure on that. Uh, we, we should have researched that to see, but um, they didn't seem to care about that scene being like totally fake looking um, compared to even the ghosts in the first Ghostbusters. And then the other thing about that movie was that uh, Bobby Brown's music was real prominent. So he did some of the, he did the soundtrack for Ghostbusters 2. So he, he did a song about that. And, uh, but a lot of his music from that album, the first Bobby Brown album was sprinkled all over Ghostbusters too. So it was almost like a commercial for Bobby Brown too. And Trevor, you don't even know who Bobby Brown is. Do you? Nope. (laughs) So then as time went on, uh, it had been a long time. I mean, that was the eighties when those first two movies came out and in 2016, something very controversial happened. And that was that a new Ghostbusters movie was coming out. And the big thing about it was that the cast was all girls this time. And it really, it was almost like a remake, sort of a, sort of a haphazard remake of the first Ghostbusters because the three ladies are all scientists and same kind of a thing. They're, they're doing some experiments and they get into the ghost busting business. But the thing about Ghostbusters 2016 is there's no reference to, at least from the amateur standpoint, I know there are Ghostbuster aficionados who might know a lot more about the Easter eggs and stuff like that, but there's no real it truly is like as if the first two movies had not happened. And so it was like, let's do this story again in 2016. We're going to give the girls the spotlight for this one and uh, go from there. I liked it. I actually liked Ghostbusters 2016. I thought it was super funny. I think the comedy in Ghostbusters 2016 was, was the highlight of it, along with the kookiness of catching the ghosts and things like that. I don't think it took away from the first one, but there's a lot of people who had a big problem with a movie that essentially doesn't recognize the past and the history. So none of the original characters were in that movie in 2016, uh, Bill Murray and, you know, Dan Aykroyd and those guys. So there was just a lot of backlash about Ghostbusters 2016. Trevor, what do you think of that movie? You said you actually liked it. I thought it had a lot more comedy in it, which I personally like funny things. I don't know if that's just me, but... No, a lot of people like funny <laughs> things. <laughs> so but, yeah. so Ghostbusters, I, I just wanted to 
make the point that Ghostbusters 2 came out in 1989, okay, and then it wasn't until 2016. Now, in Ghostbusters 2, one thing that we did not mention was that uh, the Ecto-1 the Ecto actually got like a makeover and they stuffed more stuff on the top of the, the car. The original car was a 1951 uh, Cadillac hearse. And so they added extra signage and more tanks and all that stuff. So it actually kind of just got more ridiculous, which is funny because a lot of the part, a lot of what's going on in Ghostbusters is absolutely ridiculous, but you know, it is a comedy fantasy. So that part was kind of funny. Now in Ghostbusters 2016, it's a totally different car, different year, and uh, it looks totally different. It's got different gear on the top of it. So there are a lot of people who were excited about the Ecto-1 Ecto, uh, being in those two fr- first movies, lots of models, lots of car, a lot of uh, people who have actually rebuilt and remade those cars and drive them around to events. So when the movie came out in 2016, that kind of threw a wrench in the whole thing because that Ghostbusters vehicle was totally different. So I think that is what got people super excited when they saw the trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife was that the trailer that came out, oh, two years ago now, actually shows a glimpse of the original Ghostbusters mobile. And that totally got Ghostbusters fans really excited. Yeah, so that was the thing. So there's all this controversy about, oh my God, Ghostbusters 2016 sucked. And, you know, lots of people were talking about that. And so what was Ghostbusters Afterlife going to be? And that's what people got excited about. So when we saw the car in a farmhouse and the trailer dropped, it was big news. Afterlife was supposed to come out and then COVID happened and it got postponed and it got postponed, postponed again. And then this year in August at Comic-Con in Vegas, they actually did a preview of the movie. So people who were there got to see Afterlife back in August and then on October, it showed in New York at Comic-Con in New York. And that's when some of the early reports about what this story was about, how the original director, Ivan Reitman, was going to introduce, sort of pass the torch to a new group of Ghostbusters. So without any spoilers up to this point, Ghostbusters Afterlife ignores the Ghostbusters remake in 2016 so kind of like halloween i don't know if you guys are familiar halloween one two and it was three i believe did not have michael myers in it It was a totally different storyline uh that's how this is so you can just drop 2016 out of existence watch number one two and four and that's where you're going to get the congruent flow of a story i liked it i liked how they did it of course the original Ghostbusters do play a part in this movie, which is really awesome. And if you're going to watch this movie, now's the time to stop this podcast and go watch this movie because we're about to start talking about things in the movie that you probably don't want to know. So thank you for listening this far and definitely go see this movie. That being said, Trevor, tell us about, one of the coolest things that you liked about Ghostbusters Afterlife? I would say how the 
Egon Spengler was a ghost, I believe it's Egon. Is it Egon, Dad? Yeah, it's Egon Spengler. I liked how he was a ghost and how he showed the kids around and how to fix the proton pack and stuff or whatever it's called. I don't know. So, yeah, obviously Egon is gone. He died in 2014. Um, And in this movie... We get a little glimpse of him before he dies, and there's pay close attention when you watch the movie because the very beginning I miss this. Trevor caught it, but it's important. Watch closely. We won't tell him exactly, Trevor, but watch closely the beginning of this movie because um, there's some key stuff that happens in the first ten minutes. But um, Egon, which, and this is so awesome as Ghostbusters Afterlife is actually a ghost in this movie, which is so cool because in the previous movies, he was catching ghosts and now he's a part of the ghost on the other side. And so that's really cool. And it, and it develops in the way that Egon has a daughter and Egon's daughter has a daughter. So he has a granddaughter and she uh, is kind of a scientist and really plays a part and comes across and looks just like, you would expect his granddaughter to look. And so that's the really cool part about this movie is that, you know, even though we can't have all the whole Ghostbuster team alive, we get to have one of them as a ghost helping his little granddaughter catch ghosts. So it's a cute little thing, addition to this story. And then most of the focus of the ghost busting is happening with the kids, as Trevor said. So uh, that's kind of the cool thing. And then we do get to see the other Ghostbusters as they arrive for the big event and together they all get the job done, which is really cool. Trevor, talk, tell us about the Ghostbuster mobile in this movie and, and how it's different from what we saw in the past. There's some really cool stuff. The Ghostbuster mobile Ecto one, a, I think it is Ecto one, a, and this movie is, um, awesome. So, I would say the coolest part about the, this car is the fact that, so, there is a seat, I believe it's the back right or the back left. It's one of the back seats. If, I believe it's a lever that you pull or something like that, you'll, the door will pop open, you'll fly out, and you have, like, this kind of gunner position. Yeah, so basically, um, they find that the car has been modified and it's in a farmhouse. Now, just so you guys, I want to throw something out there for you. Um, There's a book that's on our website. Go to spooksandspirits.com, go into the library, and there's a book in there um, that's basically a little background history on the inspiration for the whole movie of Ghostbusters. And it's written by Dan Aykroyd's brother, Peter Aykroyd and Dan and Harold Ramis wrote Ghostbusters. And so in the book, Dan Aykroyd's grandparents lived on a farm and they used to do seances in the basement. And they found, the kids found years later after the grandparents had passed away, chests and boxes full of notes about the ghostly experiences and the spiritualism that was going on inside the farmhouse of Dan Aykroyd's grandparents. So it's really cool that in this movie, 
we see somewhat a scene taking place very much like where Dan Aykroyd's real grandparents lived and that there's a barn with documentation and the Ecto um, one inside the inside there. So also the, they, as my dad just explained that they kind of went to a barn house area in the first movie. I believe it's the first ghost encounter. The fridge kind of turns into a portal with like a long bridge and I think it's a barn house at the end. I don't know if that has anything to do with the inspiration. That might. I'm not sure it could not be a barn house. <laughs> but it could be a barn house. So uh, anyway, that's just a cool little tidbit, you guys. That uh, It's called The History of Ghosts. And it's written by Peter Aykroyd. And that really explains the meat of how Ghostbusters came to be. And I actually want to do a show. We're going to see if we, I've been talking about this for a long time, but we're trying to get in touch with Peter Aykroyd and uh, do a show with him because that would be really cool. Dan Aykroyd as well, but don't want to shoot too high on that one unless somebody knows Dan and Dan's cool with being on our show. That would be really cool. Um, but anyway, so um, in Afterlife, there becomes a point in the movie when um, the little girl, the granddaughter, needs to reach out for help, and she calls a phone number that she found in her grandfather's farmhouse, and it rings over to an occult bookstore, which is exactly where Bill, Mary, Bill Murray's character, Ray, ended up in part two, and he's still working in the occult bookstore. So that's the tie-in, which is really cool after all these years. And then uh, they sort of get cut off and, and craziness happens. Um, this story is cool because it's, it brings in new characters and these two, these kids, like we could totally, Trevor, can you see these kids doing another movie and, and taking care of more ghosts? Yes, I very well can. Yeah. So um, before we got distracted, we were talking about the car and Trevor told you about this gunner seat. So the car is actually modified the door opens up, a seat swings out, and you've got like a proton pack connected to it, and you can rein the ghost in, and then it's got a cool little trap door on the bottom that opens up and a remote control car can take off out of it that has a ghost trap attached. And so that's the mechanism for chasing ghosts at high speed. And the car's all built for that, but in the storyline, Nobody in this little town knows anything about the guy who lives at the farmhouse, Spangler. Nobody knows much about the guy, and they just call him the dirt farmer because he's always tilling up the dirt but never growing anything. And that's when we find out at the end of the movie that he has prepared a giant ghost trap in these fields, and these giant capacitors are set up to make this giant ghost trap work. Now, there's a couple things that happen with that ghost trap, and we'll leave that for the movie so you can watch it and see yourself how it works and what happens because it's really cool. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's the reason that the original Ghostbusters actually saved the day, which is super fun. Trevor, any last thoughts on this movie? Great movie. If you didn't see it in the, and you got curious and you wanted to see spoilers... Uh, please go watch it. It's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah, it is a cool movie. 
I really like it. It's Rotten Tomatoes. It's it says ninety one percent of people like it, but Rotten Tomatoes it was getting like a sixty three. I think that this movie Afterlife is gonna is there's no way that this movie could come out and not have people critical of it because this storyline and Ghostbusters is tied to these many people's childhood uh, who are my age and these people have uh, become super fans. And so they make their own proton packs and they have their cars and they go around and, you know, so anything that doesn't line up stylistically with the original movies, um, I think there's going to be more criticism of this movie, particularly considering that the last movie had a ton of criticism, but, um, overall I loved it. I thought it was good. I think it's a real nice, uh, transition to this story. I think you had one, which was big. You had two, which was kind of, I think it kind of got goofy and that's why there wasn't a part three for many years. It just wouldn't have worked. Um, but now this part three is better than any part three that could have come out after part two that was actually related to the story. That's my opinion. I think that this, if they would have done one in 1993 or five or seven, um, that was just the same thing as part two again in New York. I was reading some article, uh, some opinion piece on the, in the Atlantic and he was saying, Oh, it kind of lacked the thing. And you know, all the fighting takes place out in the middle of Oklahoma in a small little town. And it's just not the same as the chaos of New York City. I totally disagree with that. That I would have been bummed out if this was just more of New York City and ghosts flying out of sewer grills and subways and stuff like that. I mean, we have seen that in part one and part two. It had to get out of New York City. Um, considering 2016 was just a newer version of part one. Um, it made sense that it was in New York city, but this, I think, I think that the director and the writers did a good job of taking this thing out of New York city into a small town, making the story about the people, not so much the city. And so, um, I think that made it a better movie. This is a, this is a better part three than could have existed otherwise. And I think that the 2016 movie the reboot just sort of like made this even better as well, because it was kind of like, okay, people were disappointed that there wasn't something fresh and that it was pretty much a copycat version of the first one. And so now that makes this even more exciting and fun and fun to watch because, you know, we really haven't seen this story since 1989, since the eighties. So this is truly the continuation and it's really fun to see those original actors show up in this movie. And, uh, even the ghost, um, of Harold Ramis to see him in this movie as well is really cool. A little bit touching. I think it's a really neat, um, really neat thing that they Hollywood can do as we saw with princess Leia in star Wars, um, with the death of Carrie Fisher. Um, the fact that they can do these realistic, uh, realistic, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, reprises or, you know, have, bringing people back from the dead to f act in more movies. Super cool. Don't you think so, Trevor? Yeah. And also I have a question that if the creators thought about it 
deeply enough rather than just having a little cool town as a setting why did uh egon move to a little town rather than just a different city you know well don't you remember the cave that the little that egon's granddaughter found there's a reason he's in the town you guys um there are earthquakes there there's kind of a fun little thing with a high school science teacher that finds something strange about these earthquakes and no tectonic plates under this part of the, the country and so that's an, a whole nother thing which is cool again kind of outrageous there's no i mean it's fantasy as far as that end of it goes but um i think people are going to find the ghost busting and the source of the ghost to be just as crazy and ridiculous as it was in part one and in part two so uh you won't be disappointed in that way you definitely uh, feel right at home with the spirit of the movie and how it's presented so anyway go see the movie and we're glad you guys uh got to listen to us and our opinions and we hope that uh you found it interesting share it with your friends share the show with your friends we got other great episodes go to spiritsandmoreradio.com to get directly to more episodes and you can also go to spooksandspirits.com if you want to take the afterlife to reality we're doing custom or not custom but private tours in san diego of haunted places where you get to share your stories and if you want to be on the show you can be on the show as well so if you have a ghost story again spooksandspirits.com scroll all the way down to the bottom and you can send your story there we thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you next time
at spooksandspirits.com.